From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. I would also like to thank our podcast sponsor, Guarantee Commercial Title. Guarantee offers a new platform for the delivery of services based on the expertise and ingenuity of a visionary team of title professionals that identifies obstacles and creates solutions that result in a successful sale, construction, or financing of commercial real estate. To learn more, visit GuaranteeTitle.net. As president of Eagle Ridge Partners, Kristen Meyer oversees a Minneapolis-based development, acquisition, and asset management company with a portfolio of more than 3 million square feet of space in the Twin Cities. Meyer joined Eagle Ridge in 2012. During her time with the company, she has completed 2.6 million square feet of acquisitions and 1.3 million square feet of dispositions. In the following interview with reporter Brian Johnson, Meyer talks about current market trends in commercial real estate and about some of her own projects, including a major remodel at International Market Square, where Eagle Ridge is based. Please be joined by Kristen Meyer, president of Eagle Ridge Partners. Um, Eagle Ridge is a privately held development acquisition and asset management company. Uh, you're based right here in uh, Minneapolis, is that right? Yep, we're, we're the office in International Market Square. Great. Um, well, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your time today. And um, I guess so just to just to start out, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about Eagle Ridge and um, kind of how, how long you've been around and, and what are some of the types of deals you focus on, that kind sure. of thing. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, Brian, and I do appreciate being here as well. So sure. um, Eagle Ridge is, a, as you mentioned, privately owned development and acquisition firm. Um, it was founded 25 plus years ago by Will Hogue and John Schultz. Will retired from the business roughly in 2010 and then has re-entered the business under Falcon Ridge. So um, Eagle Ridge right now is a partnership between John Schulz, myself, and Shannon Van Gemmert. Um, we have owned and operated over a billion of institutional quality commercial real estate um, in our 25-year history. Um, we've historically maintained a very minimal digital footprint. We've done that intentionally. Most of our business was primarily with one investment partner. Um, but in 2014 to 2016 is when we started to expand our investment partners. Um, Carvel was our main um, investment partner and they announced that they were exiting the commercial real estate business, um, which provided us an opportunity to um, look at more diverse type of opportunities and um, refocus our efforts back in Minneapolis. Um, so currently our portfolio is about 3.6 million square feet. Um, our focus is on med tech, industrial, creative office. And then we did, we just recently closed on a transaction, one Southwest crossing, that's an Eden Prairie. That's a more traditional office building. Okay. Well, that industrial market's really booming, isn't it? What do you see in there? Do you see that continuing to grow? Um, the low finish 
industrial, um, meaning that it's more distribution rather than, you know, some of our stuff, we consider it more med tech flex, so a higher office finish. That low finish industrial is trading almost um, in effect like a bond. Um, the, the occupancy there is so great. The demand, there, there hasn't been a lot of speculative development um, leading up to 2021. So um, in terms of tenant demand, it's very strong. In terms of investor demand, again, it's very strong. Um, we are actually going to be bringing to market about 600,000 square feet. Um, CBRE is listing that for us. Um, and we've had very strong interest in that, that uh, listing. So very early on, but a lot of very good interest and we're excited for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Great. You mentioned uh, International Market Square, uh, where you're headquartered. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Um, I understand that you've done some work there, some uh, some remodeling and um, kind of trying to create a really uh, nice co-working space. Um, tell me about International Market Square and some of the changes we're seeing there. Sure, International Market Square is just located on the outside of the Minneapolis uh, Central Business District. Um, we've noted that as the corner, we, we rebranded it as the cornerstone of the Creative Corridor. It's a 350,000 square foot building. The original building was constructed in 1905 as six separate buildings, and it served as the headquarters for Munsingware. Um, in 1985, not under our ownership, it was fully renovated into International Market Square. Um, it is noted on the National Registry of Historical Places. We, uh, it has a very large, iconic central atrium uh, that connects the two buildings. It's the home, the largest home in the Midwest for design centers. However, We've expanded the occupancy to include creative office and a co-working area. So currently we're about a 94% occupancy with 140 tenants, majority of those being design center, showrooms, studios, galleries, but we do have, I would say five to six corporate offices. Um, our strategy when we came into this was to acquire at a very low basis. We were at about $90 a square foot compared to replacement costs and other transactions in the market that's gave us a lot of runway in order to redevelop and improve. There was a, a fair amount of uh, deferred maintenance related to HVAC. And, and so a lot of the, the capital improvements, we'd spent about $14 million. A lot of the capital improvements we spent weren't, I would say, very sexy. Uh, we did do a full renovation of the, the front lobby. So traditionally, when you would come into this building, it was you had to have your design center car to be able to come in. We're open to the public now. The, the uh, lobby area is set up to be a nice co-working area. So if you're hosting, a, you know, you as a designer are hosting your client, we've got tables and areas set up where you can lay out all your products. You can take advantage of the natural light that's in our central atrium. We do host pre-COVID probably more events, but it, it is a large event space. Uh, we've hosted events upwards of 2000 people uh, more traditional corporate. Once we've done this renovation, we're seeing higher end corporate use for that space, but COVID has really put a damper on that. But uh, we we truly see this as a, a, a great opportunity. It was a distressed seller, a 37 member tick. So again, a lot of people in the market looked at this as a very challenging asset to tackle. The tick structure, they were looking for signatures for people who had passed. So it was it, it was a struggle to acquire the property. Uh, 
with it being a historically registered building, there were some you know, hoops we had to go through for that. But that's kind of the fabric that Eagle Ridge is. You know, we dig in, we understand what the challenges are prior to owning the building, and then we execute the business plan. And although we are a value-add investor and a lot of our institutional capital has maybe a three to four year timeframe runway for, for an investment, we underwrite and execute the business plan as if we're gonna be the long-term owner. Uh, a trend that we're seeing is as we exit the institutional funds, we're being asked to stay in on the investment, to manage it and, and to be a, a co-investor to the next investor that is maybe more of a long-term hold. And so if you don't manage it right on the front end, you don't get those invites to continue to maintain you know, a portfolio that not only has short runway assets, but then to also have some longer runway assets that you know, the, the quick churn is really great, but it, it doesn't provide for you know, a very stable investment. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, why don't we stay in the kind of downtown Minneapolis area and talk about what are some of the other deals you've done there? I understand you've done some pretty heavy lifting on some complicated deals that uh, you're able to put together. Um, can you touch on uh, some, some highlights there? Sure, so um, International Market Square is our only true downtown asset, but most of the other assets that we have are located within the 494, 694 ring. So our most recent transaction was one Southwest Crossing that that's located, I mentioned in Eden Prairie. Mm -hmm. It's a 250,000 square foot building. When we acquired it, it was called 97, 98% occupied, Cigna being the main tenant. However, when we acquired it, that they were a known vacate. Uh, again, it was a, that was a distressed loan and also a tick structure. So, uh, a very challenging acquisition again and a short time frame for us to close and uh, we needed to find a new equity partner the the equity that we had was more focused towards flex and light industrial or long-term hold and this was going to be a shorter term hold call it four years heavy lift in terms of renovation uh, and needed needed to find a partner uh, that was willing to move into suburban office when that's a product type right now in the current market that people are, you know, no, thank you. I, I don't want to invest in that type of product. Just with COVID, it's highly unknown what occupancy is going, going to be looking like. Um, a lot of the tenants, even the tenants that we're, we're touring through right now, don't fully understand their space needs, whether that's going to be hybrid, in-person, and a lot of them have taken uh, surveys and Hybrid means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So it, it's the HR departments that are trying to put a box around what hybrid means. Does that mean you have to make a reservation for an office? Does that mean that you have a workstation that's yours that you share with someone? Does that mean that you're in person 80% of the time and you have to find days? So it's it's been a struggle for, I, I would say, our tenants, our prospects to understand their space needs. But the underlying tone that we're hearing is there will be some in-person component of commercial office or, or you know, traditional business. It, it, it just isn't successful. It's, it's difficult to train your employees. It's difficult to get the co-working. So there'll, there'll be a component of office. It's just a question of what does that look like? And then the other piece that we're seeing is where we've seen the footprint for each employee to go down to under 200 square feet we're seeing that footprint again grow. Still not a lot of um, 
walled offices, a lot of open office, but just more space between the offices. And then just how the air is treated within the space and the ability to traverse the, the building without using elevators. So at one Southwest crossing, we're adding a central stairwell so that you don't have to use the enclosed stairwells or the elevators to get from floor one, two, three, up to floor five. So uh, again, we really like the location, the visibility, it's got easy access, easy access. It has a great parking ratio of five per thousand. We, you know, in terms of users out in the market, that's another trend that we're seeing. A lot of groups looking to stamp their new headquarters location with their new employment model and using real estate as a tool to attract and, and retain their employees. So putting a lot more amenities in the building or in their space, whether that be a workout facility or even just showers so that people bike in. Uh, and then there's also looking at what amenities are around that building in terms of you know, what, what retail do they have, what trails are available, what transportation is available. Those all have become very, uh, I would say central focus as these groups are looking for new headquarter locations for, for the product that we have. Yeah, and how's that project going now? It's uh, one Southwest Crossing. I, I believe you acquired the building in what was it, December? Yep, we closed on it in we closed on it in December. We are in the process of I think it's about a five million dollar renovation. Um, so if you not sure if you've been in the building, but it had a very heavy vegetation plants in the lobby. We've removed the majority of that. We're we're calling that kind of the third office location. So you've got your home office, you've got your traditional office. We're setting up this large atrium, very similar to what we have at IMS, furnishing it out with different areas where you can either use high tops, you can do low tops. We're in the process of uh, inking a lease with a coffee vendor. So you can grab a cup of coffee and some fresh fast food to go. And you don't really need to leave you can leave your office space, but you're not leaving your office building. So you can continue to be productive in that atrium space. But you, you, our hope is that people feel more comfortable with the open air that, you know, with COVID that they're not concerned that there's you know, risk for them to have in-person meetings or to utilize that space, but they don't have to put as many conference rooms in and small meeting areas. So that's been very well received in the market. Um, we're also adding some outdoor uh, areas where you can conduct meetings as well. We have a lot of natural light in that central atrium, which has been you know, very, very attractive to a lot of different groups. And then we're doing just some minor, I call them minor, but it, it is pretty significant. All the common areas we are doing a refresh on. And as I mentioned, we're adding a central stairwell. We've added a little, uh, added some area on the second floor for an, you know, changing the location of the security desk so it's more proximate and making the south entrance of that building more prominent and, and the primary entrance of that building where the majority of the parking exists. Yeah, when will that project be completed? Are they almost uh, wrapping up now or? Um... That's been the interesting thing is, uh, so we are slated to complete that project in August, September timeline. However, one of the challenges that we're seeing in the market is the lead time on materials, specifically steel. So we constructed the, that stairwell out of steel, and we were ahead of the game in terms of ordering to when the steel shortage started. Uh, we just acquired another project 
district in Eden Prairie, um, where we have, I think you reported on the Sonopta lease that we just signed, a 60,000 square foot tenant. We purchased that, it was a Liberty portfolio. Um, that building, again, we were supposed to be done with construction August, September, but requires steel for some of the work that we're doing. And we're looking at a 42 week lead time on steel right now. So that project is being pushed out to October. So it's, wow. we are actually looking at using lumber, uh, treated lumber in some instances where fire sprinkler and fire code would allow so that we can get away from the lead time on steel. And a similar struggle with, with just general labor, the, the yeah. um, trades that have are specialized and, and it's very challenging. If you, you get off on your schedule a little, little bit, it's really hard to bring some of those trades back. Yeah, well, number prices are going through the roof too. So there really aren't <laughs> the answers a lot of times. It's, you know, it's kind of the best, best of times and the worst of times in, in terms of doing these projects because you have less foot traffic, I assume. So in a way it's a good yeah. time to do these projects, but then you mentioned some of the supply chain issues and things like that, a, a huge challenge right now for yep. people doing these projects. So um, we'll see how that plays out. But, um, you know, I, I imagine that you'll probably see more of these renovations as people sort of adjust to the new world of returning to the office post pandemic and, um, you know, just kind of different expectations and things like that. So we'll and I think you'll also see people I mean, that, that light rail, the uh, Southwest light rail that's coming in, a lot of the product around that is not traditional office. And I think you'll see a lot of those being shifted to more of an office use away from an industrial use. And so similar to what you're going to see with our Sonopta building, where there's a pretty significant refresh on the exterior and a repurpose on the interior, I think that light rail is going to drive demand. I believe roughly 20,000 people come into that uh, Golden Triangle area daily for work. And I think that population is only going to become more dense as you see some of that use switch away from industrial to a more traditional office. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just uh, big picture wise, what are some of your thoughts? I know we recently did a report about, um, I think it was from Newmark about office vacancies up, you know, like for the third consecutive quarter or something like that. Uh, negative absorption of 260, 600,000 plus square feet. Um, do you see things starting to maybe come back now that where people are getting vaccinated and do you think we'll start seeing more foot traffic and seeing some of those vacancies level out or what, what is your outlook here for 2021 and beyond? Our outlook is that we believe central you know, downtown Minneapolis will continue to be a little bit challenging. We're going to need some of the big players to announce that they're coming back to the office. And I think once you see the first domino fall, it, there'll be a, a good following of other large businesses. I think Target's announcement was a pretty big blow to the downtown market. Uh, but as it relates to international markets where we're not as impacted by some of the demographics and the trends that are going on you know, in true central business district, as it relates to the suburbs, we're seeing a very strong demand in our flex products. So people want to, people are moving out of multi-tenant suburban office into uh, what would be a single story office. They want the ability to control their own, you know, what, what they're doing for HVAC, how quickly they're changing or how frequently they're changing air filters. Are they doing ionization? What are they doing for sanitation in their space? 
And then they know it's just their own employees that they're interacting with. You drive up, you park, you walk in your front door. So we're seeing our flex portfolio, our med tech portfolio is close to 96% lease, but for and the majority of that vacancy comes in two buildings within our portfolio that we've got proposals out on. So we're seeing really strong, we've got more tenant prospect demand for our portfolio than we have vacant space. So we're seeing the suburban office, suburban flex space demand very strong. And I think you'll see that start to transition or, or carry over into the investment sales market. And I think the bulk industrial is going to make, remain very strong. And you'll see some spec projects coming up here very shortly. Uh, I, I think overall the Twin Cities, we don't really have really high peaks. We don't really have low valleys. Uh, we're pretty steady as it relates to occupancy. And I think you're gonna see rents start to grow just based on this demand. At least that's what we're seeing in our, our portfolio. But like I said, employees are using real estate as a means to attract and retain tenants. So along with that increase in rental rate, we're seeing an increase in what you're having to give in terms of tenant improvements. Not anything that's astronomical, but it fits the, you know, the, the theory of getting a traditional office rate in a flex building. Yeah, and it'll be good to see some of those events coming back too. You mentioned in the context of uh, International Market Square, and I know the governor's even talking about getting the state fair going again. And so, we'll yeah, see. I saw that. Yeah, so um, getting some of those events back will be nice, assuming they can do it in a safe manner. But um, uh, so, any other any other thoughts uh, in general about the market or any specific projects? you're uh, you're working on or anything you have in the pipeline um our pipeline actually I'm, I'm pretty excited about what we've got coming up we have a fair amount of land associated with when we, we purchased uh what we call golden triangle station it, it was a 42 acre site uh, blue stem was the main tenant has since uh, filed for bankruptcy and rejected their lease so we've got a 350,000 square foot building there that we have some activity on, uh, but more specifically north of that site, we've got a 15 acre site. Greco is under purchase and sale agreement for that. And we should see some pretty exciting apartment opportunities coming to that rail stop. We also have you know, some land here at International Market Square that we're looking at. We'll, we'll be approaching the city to see if we can do some development here. Um, and then we have some more suburban sites that we're looking at the potential of converting the, the use away from traditional flex into other product types. So we, we don't do your traditional, you know, easy buy it and continue to collect cash flow and then exit after renewals. We do a lot of heavy lifting, repositioning. We've worked on TIF projects. We've worked on grants. We've worked on uh, pace lending. So we're, I think the market is going to get more tight, more difficult to get deals done, but we're excited because that's the space that we've always worked in and, and very excited for what we see in the future. Well, great. Well, good luck in, in your future deals. And uh, we'll see, hopefully things, like I said, will open up here again and uh, we'll all get back to maybe some semblance of normality. I think we're getting there slowly, but surely, but we'll see what happens. So yeah, uh, I, at IMS, it's picking up, but it never really went down. It seemed like during the pandemic, everybody wanted to redo their house. So we've always been you know, relatively busy, not as busy as we traditionally are, but we're back, Eagle Ridge is back in the office. We've been back since July, just have changed how our workstations are laid out, but everybody here is vaccinated and we're, we're doing good. Great. 
All right. Well, good luck. Um, thank you again for, for joining us, Kristen. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Take care. Yeah, thanks. Take care. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.